1: The book of Exodus, chapter 33, we're going to read from verse 12 to verse 15. And I want to preach to you under the theme, when God is present. When God is present. When you have it, you may say, amen. The book of Exodus, chapter 33, verse 12 to 15 The word of God reads as follows Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, that you have brought us together in your house, Father, and that you have already begun to minister to every life, every heart, Lord. We thank you, Father, for a powerful time of worship that you're your, your spirit is here and moving in our midst, and now we ask, God, that you would speak to our lives, Lord, that you would feed us this morning, God, that your word, Lord God, would impact each and every one of our hearts. It would penetrate to the deepest parts of our beings, Father, and we will give you all of the glory and all of the honor in Jesus' mighty name, and the church says, amen. Amen. Praise the living name of Jesus. When God makes the decision to introduce Himself into the life of a human being, He's making this decision because He sees that the person is in a place where they're able to accept something coming and giving them meaning or purpose. When you were in a place where you had no meaning and you had no purpose and you were living a life without direction and you didn't know whether to step forward, to step left, or to step right, and it seemed like every decision that you made in life was the wrong one. I don't know about you, but I found myself in that very place. I found myself in that place where I knew that there was something greater that I had to do with my life. I knew that I, was, that I was born for something, that I was alive for something, but I didn't have the direction. I didn't have the meaning. I couldn't put a purpose to it. And it's this type of situation, it is this type of life, it is this type of scenario that God enjoys invading and God enjoys introducing himself because he knows that every time he introduces himself into someone's life, that person's life changes for the better. Every time that God presents himself, uh, it's because something greater he is going to do in your life. There's something uh, that's going to improve. There's a chain that's going to break. There's a door that's going to open. There's a disease that's going to be healed. There's a devil that's going to flee. When God decides that he's going to step into your life, uh, it's because there's something that's going to happen for the better. Can you say amen? This is what why Romans chapter 8 says that for those who love God it's not for just anybody it's not for just anyone it is for those who love God you see cuz you can love God but lack direction You can love God but not understand your purpose. You can love God but he not be present but you not be dwelling in his presence and walking in his will. So Romans 8 says for those who love God and are called. The Bible says all things will work for their good. Now for something to work out for good, that means that it had to start bad. That means that it had to start bad. And God has an increasingly uh, interesting tendency to let things appear bad first. So when people get discouraged when things are going bad, what they should be doing is thanking God because the platform is being set for God to step in and make what was appearing to be bad good praise the name of Jesus. This is why I love the fact that when you understand your position in God and you know where you are standing uh, and you know what God has made you, what God has transformed you into, you are more than a conqueror. You are not a tail. You are a head. You are a child of the Most High God. You are seated in heavenly places with God and every spiritual blessing uh, is yours for the taking. You are not Not just any old human being. In chapter 15 of the book of John, Jesus says you are of this world. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. That means that there are laws that govern this world that do not apply to you. That means that you, even though you abide to the, to, to the law of the land, to, the, to the, the law of justice and the law of order, there are laws that operate in the spiritual realm of this world that do not uh, operate in your life because you are not of this world even though you are in this world. You are citizen of a different kingdom, and the laws of that kingdom are the laws that cover and govern your life. So when God is present in your life this is how this is how your scenario begins to change you go from darkness to light. You go from hate to love. You go from doubt to faith. You go from you go from negative to positive. You go from being a, a pessimist to being someone who can praise God in the, in the toughest of situations. You go from being somebody who's just warming up a bench in a church and singing songs and words on a screen to someone who's provoking the presence of God to come down in your life in the middle of your biggest problem, you go from being an ordinary Christian to being an extraordinary world changer. Can you say amen? When you look at the landscape of the Bible, every single person that God called was just an ordinary person. He calls an Abraham from the or of the Chaldeans, an idolater, someone who worshiped numerous gods. Had no sense of direction, no purpose in his life. And he calls him out and he says, go from your land and from your people to a land that I will reveal to you. He calls a Moses in the desert, frustrated, pastoring the sheep of his, of his father-in-law. And he calls him out and he says, take off the sandals from your feet because you're stepping on holy ground. Once I appear in your life where you're standing, even the ground you're stepping on changes. Glory to Jesus. Even the ground you're stepping on, that ground that didn't give forth any fruit, that ground that you couldn't find your footing in, that ground that you felt was always shaking and not giving you stability. When God presents himself in your life, that ground becomes holy ground. And now it's time, to, it's time to undo yourself from the baggage that you had in Egypt and allow God to dress you with the clothes of the promised land. Can you say amen? It's time to undo yourself and separate yourself from the mentality of Egypt because Egypt is not just a place. When you look at at the character of Israel in the desert, you can see that Egypt was not just a place for them. Egypt was a mentality. Egypt was a mindset. Egypt was a bondage. Egypt was a place that that held significance in their hearts and in their minds. And for a lot of people, they they come to Christ uh, and they love the idea of following Christ. They love the idea of being in ministry. They love the idea of doing things for Christ. They love the idea that God has a purpose in their lives. But the fact of the matter is is that two things cannot occupy the same space. If there is too much Egypt still left, inside of you then God cannot reside the way he wants to he needs to take Egypt completely out you gotta shed Egypt from your life you gotta shed Egypt from your marriage you gotta shed Egypt so many people that you can see they have a they have a desire to work for the Lord they have a desire to work for the Lord. But when you counsel them because of troubles that they're having in their lives, you see the same traits that you see in someone who's still trapped in Egypt. And, and, and this is why I love our pastors because they'll, they'll tell you like it is. And you need someone in your life, whether it's the pastors or it's somebody else, someone in your life to tell you like it is, to not sugarcoat and say it's everybody else's fault, to not sugarcoat and say, oh, it'll get better. Just keep on believing. No, to be able to tell you, you know what your problem is? There's too much you. There's too much Egypt. You're still walking with the same sandals that you came out of Egypt with, but you came to a holy ground, and God is telling you, I'm going to change your sandals. I'm going to change your mentality. I'm going to change your heart. And until you don't allow God to present himself and do that work in you, God has to present himself and do a work that he did in Moses. Moses had messed up his life. He had everything he needed in Egypt, but he made a decision to kill an Egyptian who was beating on a Jew and he killed them and buried them and he wanted to cover up the sin so he fled because he didn't want to be prosecuted and we know the story so now he's in the desert and he's frustrated and he's he's without meaning and without purpose and he's he's just waiting for something to go differently in his life and God calls him out God uses an ordinary routine thing something that he was so used to not giving him any results a burning bush was something he was used to in the desert the heat of the desert and the dryness would dry these bushes uh, and the heat would come and there would be some smoke and maybe some flames but in a few in a few seconds the bush would be gone. so Moses was used to these burning bushes, but this particular bush just kept burning and a lot of times we're we're so used to the temporary things in our lives and we cling to these things and they become routine and ordinary we cling to We cling to a a move of God that, that stops when the music stops. Praise the Lord. We cling to, to a relationship with the Lord that is based on coming to church. We cling to a relationship with God that, 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 only, that only involves a little bit of conversation, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of fasting. But you know what the important, the important part of having God present in your life is that His presence is going to change your expectations. So if you're living without expectations, it's because you need more of God's presence. His presence in your life. When he came and he, and he approaches Moses and he calls Moses out. Moses Now Moses' life changes because now he goes from being someone with absolutely no expectations to being somebody, okay, so God is calling me. And God starts using things that he's that he's familiar with, he uses a staff, turns it into a serpent. He grabs it by the tail, it turns back into a staff. He, he starts to use things that Moses was familiar with. He uses his hand turning into leprosy. Moses knew what leprosy was and then his hand was healed again. So he uses things that Moses is familiar with so that Moses can begin to build expectations. So now when Moses goes to the Pharaoh to tell the Pharaoh, the, the God... Of heaven, Yahweh has sent me to tell you to let his people go. Now Moses can come with an expectation that if God sent you with a mission, if God sent you with a purpose, uh, God is going to fulfill that purpose for which you were sent. So those expectations begin to grow. So when God is present... There are expectations. And let me tell you, the devil really, really, really wants you to live a life without expectations. Hallelujah. I'm gonna say that again. He really wants you to be a Christian with no expectations. Because a Christian with no expectations is someone who's living in a who's living in, in a religion that they're 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 only satisfied with with the God bless you, brother. How are you doing? They're only satisfied with giving their tithes and giving their offerings. And they're only satisfied with singing the songs and feeling the presence. But in their daily lives, there is no manifestation of the presence of God. In their daily lives, there is no, there is no presence of God. And their expectations are nowhere to be found. And when they get into a situation where they cannot control, where they cannot, they cannot find the way out. The only thing to do is to begin to complain and question God and I can't do this uh, and I'm going to go to another church uh, and it's this brother's fault and it's that brother's fault. No, but when you live a Christianity with expectations, you understand God, you have called me to this. You made the invitation. So if you started the work, uh, I know that you're going to provide what I need uh, so that you can finish the work. Can you say amen? He has not brought you into a situation where he's going to expect for you to fend for yourself. He has not brought you into a situation where you need to do everything for yourself. And the problem that a lot of people have is that there's too much of them. There's too much of them. And that is, you know what that is? That is a fruit of the flesh. That is a fruit of the flesh because the fruit of the flesh is always seeking what benefits the flesh. It's always seeking what benefits them. So when you understand that when God presents himself in your life, he begins a work of transformation. We see that in the, in, the, in the story of Abraham. We see it in Jacob. We see it in Moses. We see it in Paul. We see it in Peter. It's been the same. It's the same whether you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament. When God introduces himself in your life, there is a change. There is a transformation. There is an improvement. The things that you carried from Egypt begin begin to fade away and God begins to fill you with his holy spirit and let me tell you there is a necessity to be filled with holy spirit Because ministry does not work without Holy Spirit. (laughs) Ministry does not work without anointing. I can stand here and sing my lungs out. I can stand here and know every word of every song of every hymn and sing like an angel. But if I have no anointing, uh, there is no move of Holy Spirit. But when you have the anointing, the unction of the Holy Ghost, when you understand the necessity of God's presence just just being that, that force that controls your entire existence. This is what Moses is seeking in Exodus chapter 33. He's at a crossroads. And I, and I want you to understand that in a few chapters before chapter 33, God gives Moses the template for the tabernacle. And God tells Moses, you're going to build it like this. And he gives him the measurements and he tells them how many divisions he's going to have. And he tells them what's going to happen in the outer court and in the inner court and in the holy place and in the holy of holies. And he tells them how the priests need to dress and how they need to consecrate themselves. And he tells them how they need to make the oil. And he tells them what what amount of bread needs to be put fresh in the holy in the holy place. And he gives them every single spot specific and every single detail of the tabernacle. And at the very end, he says, and it, it needs to be done the way I have said it to you because I want my presence to dwell amongst my people. So Moses is coming into this crossroads of Exodus 33, and he's coming with an understanding that God's presence wants to dwell amongst Israel. He wants to be the center of the people of Israel. He wants to dwell. He wants to, he wants to be that, that force that from, from which all of the resources flow. He wants Israel to experience resources that do not come from themselves. He wants Israel to experience manna from heaven. He wants Israel to experience a cloud during the day and a column of fire during the night. He wants Israel to begin to experience uh, his presence uh, as the source of every resource that you can need in your life. So when God is present in your life, you are going to live a life that lacks nothing. You will live a life that lacks nothing. So he comes to this crossroads, Exodus 33, and he's telling God, if I have have found favor in your sight, if I have found grace in your sight, why won't you go with us? Why are you going to separate us from you? This is your people. You gave me these people to lead. I didn't ask for this. You see, a lot of times, a lot of times, we need to adjust the way we pray because the way you pray reveals the level of faith you have. The way you pray reveals and reflects the level of faith you have and the belief you have in where God has positioned you. So when you pray like somebody who's always needing somebody who's always lacking, somebody who's always behind the eight ball, somebody who's always going backwards, somebody who's always surrounded by negativity. When you pray like that, you're reflecting a level of faith that does not know, of a person that does not know where all of these resources and all of this provision is going to come from. But when you adjust your prayer... And you pray like somebody who has crazy faith. And you pray like somebody who doesn't need to see it to believe it. And you pray like somebody who says, Lord, I know what the doctor said, but I thank you for my healing. I'm not going to allow this sickness to keep me from being part of the Christmas outreach. Praise God if you can. I'm not going to let this this pain that I'm feeling, I'm not going to let this financial situation you adjust the way you pray, the way you come to God. You, you're not coming you're not coming to a, a tax preparer you know, I really need you to do this as fast as possible. Try to get me the maximum amount. I don't care if you got to do what you got to do. No, you're not coming to some tax preparer. You're not coming to a Dr. Phil. You're not coming to a talk show. You are presenting yourself before the creator of the universe. You are presenting yourself. He has given you direct access Hallelujah. When you need forgiveness, you have direct access. When you need to feel the love of a father, you have direct access. When you need to feel encouragement, you have direct access. When you need to feel peace and rest, and you need to feel goodness and mercy, you have direct access. Because God is present in your life. So He's. It, when, when, when you when you adjust. So Moses is praying, Moses is praying like somebody who has a little bit of clout. He's praying like someone who, who has established a certain degree of confidence in their relationship. This is not a scared conversation. This is not a timid conversation. If your presence, he says, if I have found grace in your sights, Consider that this nation is your people. So God tells him, after telling him he would send an angel, God then says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But Moses isn't just, he's not just satisfied with receiving confirmation that God's presence is going to go with him. He has to say, God. Your presence better go with me. <laughs> your presence better go with me because if it doesn't, I'm not moving from this place. See, when you, when you have the ability in your relationship with the Lord to come with boldness before God, not a proudful boldness, not a boldness... Like if you are running or or like you're calling the shots. But a bonus that you know that you're talking to your father and not your boss. You're talking to your father. You're talking to someone who cares for you. You're talking to a God who loves you. The only doctrine, the only religion... That we can say preaches a God from the position of a father. Every other religion needs you to to jump through this or go through that and maybe you won't even make it. But the Bible teaches that God is a father. Hallelujah. The Bible teaches that God is a present help in time of trouble. The Bible teaches that a contrite heart he will not reject. Moses knows who he's talking to. He has developed a relationship. And he knows who he's talking to. And he says, if your presence does not go with us, do not take us out of here. And I just want to share with you what it looks like from a biblical perspective when God is present in your life. And before I do that, let me just tell you. It is better for the trials, for the problems, and for the storms of life to find you with God in your life than for them to find you without. I remember the first Transformers movie when, when the government representatives, the liaisons wanted them to leave One of the Transformers to go back to their planet. And Optimus Prime comes and he says, what is going to happen if we leave and you're wrong? Because the thought was that the enemy, the Decepticons, were in Earth because the Autobots were in Earth. So they thought that if the Autobots leave, well, the Decepticons will leave. So Optimus Prime says, what's going to happen if we leave And you're wrong. And now the Decepticons are on earth and you have no source of protection. So what will happen if the storm comes and finds you without God? Let's put it from a a spiritual perspective. The Bible says uh, that when a demon is cast out of a body, he leaves the body but he goes get seven more powerful than him comes back and they check to see if the body is still unoccupied and if it's unoccupied they take possession again of the body so what the enemy wants to do in your life is he wants to separate you from God's presence. Because if he can separate you from God's presence, then he can increase his attack and find you vulnerable. And if he finds you vulnerable, then he can can bind you again. He can possess you again. He can manipulate your mind again. He can control your mind again. Oh, but I love that That for every action of the enemy, God has already spoken a word to combat that action. That's why Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says, Yet in all these things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He doesn't stop there. He says, well, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present or things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ our Lord. Come on and praise him. When you understand that the devil is under your feet and you have the victory, you understand that nothing he can do can separate you from the presence of God. Nothing he can do can separate you from being in that holy place, that in that secret place uh, where it's just you and God. And you know that the source of everything you need is coming from that secret place. But from a scriptural standpoint, having God present in your life, comes with some promises that will never that will never fall to the ground every one of these promises will always come to pass in your life when god is present. Psalm 46, 1 and 2, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Isaiah 43, verse 2 and 3, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And Psalm 23, look at how many times the psalmist is speaking about the presence of God and not what he can do himself. Not how he can make it through the valley of the shadow of death. Not how he feels. Not what the the psalmist is thinking, but what God is doing. Or what God is able to do. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me for his name's sake. Yea, I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Because you are with me your rod and your staff they come for me when God is present in your life it means that you have decreased in your life more of God in Robert Albino means less of Robert Albino in Robert Albino that's why Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 Paul says I am crucified With Christ, and I do not live, but Christ lives in me. That's why in Matthew chapter 16, Christ says, If you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take your cross, and follow me. That's why the greatest mistake that Moses made in his ministry and in his relationship with God was something that he made on his own volition, on his own power. It was his own decision. It was his own anger. It was his own character that made him strike the rock when God said, speak to it. Too much of Moses still left. So when there's too much of you left, those trials, those problems, those storms, they tend to find you and not God. They tend to find you and not God. But when you allow the presence of God, when when it's all about what he's going to do for you and not what you can do for yourself, it is here when God is present that his word is present. And every promise that he has spoken will cover you and come to pass in the darkest of times. When his spirit is present, his power is present, his provision is present, his will is present, his peace is present. And the same way I have experienced the fruit of my flesh in my life, the same way I have experienced the fruit of sexual desires in my life when I was without Christ. The same way I experienced the fruit of an addiction to drugs when I didn't have Christ in my life. The same way I experienced the fruit of all of those carnal desires that were that were controlling my life is the same way now that I have Jesus Christ. Uh, it's the same way now that I have the Holy Spirit that I can experience the fruit of love, the fruit of peace, the fruit of rest, the fruit of goodness, the fruit of a, the fruit of being a, a peacemaker, the fruit of the fruit of humbleness in my life. And I finish with this. The Psalmist of Psalm 91 is unknown. But a lot of Jewish scholars attribute it to Moses, of all people, because of the way he starts. Moses wrote Psalm 90, and the way he starts Psalm 90 is very similar to how he starts Psalm 91. And the rule of thumb for Bible scholars when there is a psalm that is not attributed to a particular author is they usually attribute it. To the author of the previous chapter, if there was one uh, that was revealed. So they attribute, most scholars attribute Psalm 91 to Moses because of the language and the similarity with the psalm that they did know Moses wrote, which was Psalm 90. So in Psalm 91, Moses, the psalmist rather, we'll call him the psalmist because we don't know for sure it was Moses, but in Psalm 91, there's a particular language that, that shows us what happens when God is present in your life. When God is present, uh, he allows you to dwell in his presence. So now you're not just dwelling. You're not just going through life unsurrounded. You're going through life surrounded by the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day. I don't know about you, but this sounds like someone in Moses' position. It sounds like someone who has experienced some attacks in their lives. But because God was present and because they were able to find that secret place. That secret place is that place that God has separated for you to know Him more than you knew Him before. This call to prayer and fasting is not a call to a religious encounter. It's not a call to a religious routine or action. Praying for a lot of people has become religious. It has become something that they can do at the snap of a finger. And whether they do it for five or ten minutes in a day, it does not matter. But what you're being called to right now is to break down strongholds with your prayer. What you're being called to right now in these four days uh, is a call to prayer but not to just pray but to war in the spirit. It's it's a call to be able to come uh, and and, and tell God uh, and and ask God to fill you with the things that you have yet to receive uh, so that when December 1st comes you can be an instrument that he uses for his glory that secret place is that place where all of that happens you have to have that place, you have to have that time you have to have that moment in your life with God and I finished, I finished with this the greatest lack that any person can have in their life is not a lack of money It's not a lack of friends. It's not a lack of possessions or materialistic things. The greatest lack any person can have in their life is a lack of the presence of God. Jesus declared that even though he left, he would not leave us alone. He would send the parakletos. He would send the Holy Spirit who would be with us till the very end. So God is present in your life. You need to stand up and declare God is present in my life. No matter what sickness I'm going through, no matter what pain I might have in my body, if God is with me, who can be against me? Come on, put your hands together for Jesus this afternoon. Stand to your feet with me. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Close your eyes, bow your heads. We worship you, Jesus. I make an altar call this afternoon. And I just want anyone to raise their hand if they have experienced life without the presence of God. You know what life has rendered you. All this time it's just been you. And you want something to change. I'm telling you this afternoon that that change is going to come when God presents himself in your life. So if there's someone here that needs God, needs to fix your life with God, I want you to raise your hand you know you need to fix accounts you know you need to come back into the flock and you know you need God to present himself in your life is there anyone here that needs to do that today lift up your hands I want to see it high don't leave this place with just you hallelujah don't leave this place with just you you came to a place where you can take the king of kings and lord of lords in your heart leave with him today so once again I if if, if that is you, if you need to do that today, lift up your hands you got two hands raised, I want you to come up here if you would please We're going to pray with you. Amen. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Blessed is the name of the Lord. There is a celebration in heaven. Blessed is the name of Jesus. Yes. Come on, every hand in the air, every, every eye closed. Help me pray for these folks up here. Amen. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I recognize I'm a sinner. And that I am forgiven by the cross. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I accept your forgiveness. Wash me clean of my sins. And help me serve you to the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, I declare myself saved. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, give them a hand today.